Wow. All right. Where do I begin? Um, all right. Uh, well, in the beginning, uh, God created heaven and earth. <laughs> well, you know that. Uh, so he called uh, Abraham. He called Isaac. He called Jacob. Uh, Jacob had 12 kids, sons at least. And um, then there was a famine and Joseph went to Egypt and because uh, he was booted out by his brothers and he went to Egypt and it turned out to be a big divine setup from the Lord uh, to save Israel. And they all wound up going 70 men in total to Egypt, Jacob and his family. And a um, couple of centuries later, a Pharaoh, who for some reason didn't remember Joseph, started to oppress the children of Israel, the Hebrews, and through signs and wonders and plagues. Uh, they were driven out. They were, by, they were saved by God, moved out of Egypt by a mighty hand, 600,000 men. So in a couple of centuries, they went from the 70 men to 600,000. Now, no wonder those midwives said those Hebrew women are vigorous because that's a lot of kids. So off they go out of Egypt. They go into the desert, the south area that we saw in Israel. And um, don't make me laugh. And uh, so there they were given the, the law of Moses. And then uh, they were on the other side of the Jordan. And Joshua leads them across the Jordan River, which, by the way, is a very small. I had this vision of the Jordan River being this big deluge of a river. It's pretty much a trickle. Um, so, and very calm. So anyway, he went through the, went through the, through the Jordan and, um, conquered the land. And I think it could, it took a bit of time, but they conquered the whole land and then the land was at rest. And then the people got a, wanted a king, giving a little history lesson. So then they wanted a king. So they, uh, so they, uh, so Saul, King Saul from the tribe of Benjamin wound up being the first king that didn't work out so well. And then, uh, David comes in, who is the righteous king, and, and he, he established all he, the unity of all the tribes. He was king of all the tribes, and uh, he was a righteous king, and he wanted to establish a temple, but he couldn't because of his hands were so stained with blood from all those wars. So his son Solomon builds a temple in Jerusalem, and all the prophecies or all the things in the Torah said, you're going to do this where I establish my name, where I establish my name, where I establish my name. You're going to do this. This is where you do your sacrifice, when I, where I establish my name. This is where you have your judgments, where I establish my name. All of a sudden, we know now where God established his name, Jerusalem, because that's where the temple was. And the, the, the Mishkan, the, the movable Mishkan, the tabernacle wound up going there, and that wound up being a permanent structure. Um... Solomon had a kid, Rehoboam, and Solomon's kid, Rehoboam, pretty much said, you know, my dad taxed you a lot because it takes a lot of money to build a temple. So Solomon taxed the people a whole lot, but Rehoboam, his son, said, you know what? Dad may have taxed you a lot. I'm going to tax you a lot more. So the children of Israel pretty much said, go scratch Go bleep yourself, and off went ten tribes to self-govern in the north, and they were called the, so the kingdom of Israel, and then Jerusalem stayed in the south, like the kingdom of Judah, and the capital of the kingdom of Israel was Samaria. 
And uh, so that's how it was. But God still blessed them, even though it was a divided kingdom. There were prophets in each land. Uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel were actually prophets of Judah. Okay. Elijah and Elisha, they were prophets of Israel. Um, Hosea was a prophet of, of Israel. So, you know, each individual, the, the tribes in the south, the kingdom in the south, the, they all had their individual prophets. And then all of a sudden, Assyria comes in, and he, they, they take the northern kingdom of Israel captive. So they conquer the northern kingdoms of Israel, and the ten tribes go into captivity. They go into exile. The Hebrew is galut. They go into exile, and they pretty much get absorbed. They intermarry, and they kind of lose their identity, and they just get absorbed. So bye-bye, ten tribes. Um, Then Babylon comes in, and they destroy the temple in Jerusalem. They pummel Jerusalem. They decimate it. They destroy the temple. That happened on Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, the fifth month. And uh, they take the kingdom of Judah into captivity. This was all in fulfillment of prophecy, and it's all the things that the prophets warned them about. Please return to God and his ways. Uh, But they didn't. And uh, so these enemies came in, and they captured and destroyed and pummeled Israel and Jerusalem. They went into captivity. Seventy years later, under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah, they come back. This is the kingdom of Judah. They come back. This is the first time in Scripture you hear the term a Jew, uh, primarily because they were from Judah, but it also wound up being the name sort of of the belief system of the religion at that time because it says even in, uh, in, in the book of Esther, in the whole story of the book of Esther where Purim comes from, it said that many of the Persians believed and became Jews. It didn't just mean that they, be, they started, they lived in J- Judah. They became Jews. So that's when you start to see Jew become like a, a religious system and a, a religion unto itself, a belief system. It was Judaism at that time. And again, under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah and other leaders and the prophet um, Zechariah and Haggai and Malachi, they come back and they start building the temple again. And they start constructing it. And you can read the story in Ezra and Nehemiah. They started constructing it. And then the Arabs of the land said, what are you doing? You can't build here. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Bad man, very bad man. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And they said, well, I don't care what you're saying, we're building. And it's, uh, history repeats itself, doesn't it? So that's what you see in that story. The Arabs are going, no, 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 you can't build here. And they go tattletailing to the king of Persia. They say, you got to tell these guys to stop. But they kept going. You know, but it was still an occupied area. And then later on, you know, this is now the Bible is closed. Malachi gave his final prophecies, which is the close of the Old Testament, the Tanakh. And um, he was talking about tithing. Why would he talk about tithing? Because now you have a second temple, and he's encouraging the people. you got to start tithing, guys. Right? That's what we do. Now we have a priest again. So, um, so that's, now you have a closure of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and now the Greeks come in, and they pummel the area again. And the Syrians pummel the area again, and now you have the story of Hanukkah, uh, where uh, the, the, the Greco-Syrian army comes in, and they desecrate the temple, and now the Jews revolt 
under uh, Judah Maccabee, and they kick out the Greeks. And now finally, this is between the Testaments. This is between old and new. Now the Jews all of a sudden have self-reign, self-government in Israel for the first time since they were first booted out by the Assyrians and the Babylonians all those years ago. But that only lasted about 80 years until the Romans came in and decimated the area and annexed it and called it a a, a little annex of, of the Roman kingdom. And this is where you see Yeshua come in. Now, why do I share all of this history? There is a people group, the Jews, who have this not just as Bible stories, but as their history. Like, how many of us know our history, where our parents came from and our grandparents came from, and whatever country they come from, whether it was somewhere in Europe or, or in Latin America or, or whatever it is, we all have our heritage. But if you ask a Jew, where's your heritage? And yeah, it'll go back to maybe Europe. But if you keep going back, you're going to hit this story. Because it's literally their history and it's the story of one people. This is the story of the Bible, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's God's story of the people that he chose to make his name great through. But here comes the Messiah. And the people primarily reject him. And then, but Judaism still goes, and and Yeshua is crucified, and Yeshua is raised from the dead. And he meets the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and is teaching them about himself. Boy, what a Bible study that must have been. He's opening up the Old Testament. That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Their their mind must have, whoa. No wonder why they said, didn't our, what did it say, our hearts burn when we heard him talk? Like, that's a Bible study, boy. So anyway, so he hung out with them for 40 days. The spirit came down on on the believers. And and then all of a sudden, the charge through Peter at the the house of uh, Simon the Tanner. I visited that house. I don't know if anybody saw it on on Facebook. It wasn't part of the tour we were on. But there was the house of Simon the Tanner in old Jaffa by the sea. It turned out I did some research on it. They did some... uh, um, uh, uh, archaeological excavations under that house, you know what they found? A first century tannery. Very possible. It, was the, it certainly wasn't the same building. It was in too good a shape, but it might have very well been the right location. So I put my hands on that building. I said, Adonai, it was from this location that the charge to bring your word to the Gentiles went out. And I said, from a messianic, the first messianic Jew, Peter, and I say, Father, at, at this point, I stand here as a Messianic Jew 2,000 years later. I ask you to bring that same word back here to Israel. So it was just a prayer I felt led to do. Anyway, I think a lot of the trip is just going to flow in through the message here. Um, and that was a great area. Old Jaffa was just amazing. Um, so anyway, so then the word, Yeshua, that the gospel is going to the nations, but it was still part of Judaism. It was still the one story, the one family, the one people group. It was still part of the same story. And then, in the year 60-something-ish, 
the Jewish people gathered, and they were called the Zealots. The Zealots. And they rose up to kick Rome's butt. And I believe that this spirit came in to the Jewish people because 30 or so years prior, the Prince of Peace was on trial. And there was a man next to him named Barabbas, who was a revolutionary. He was the Messiah that the children of Israel expected. The guy that was going to kick Rome out and reestablish Jewish independent rule in Israel. But Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, comes on the scene, the real Messiah, the real McCoy, the real Messiah, and says to the Jews who wanted Rome out, says to them, carry their packs, pray for them, walk an extra mile with their pack. If they hit you in one cheek, offer the next. Don't be frightened of those who can only take your life. And the people went, that's not what the Messiah is supposed to do, based on how I read my Bible. So they chose Barabbas. And I believe that that Barabbas spirit came into the Jewish people, the revolutionary spirit the ones that want to govern self, the self-rule, that want to make this whole thing happen through might. Fight the power that be. See, Barabbas fights the power that be. Yeshua fights powers and principalities. And they chose the guy that fights the power that be. Not the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace is put to death. 30 years later, you have the zealots. And all of Israel gather around the zealots. It's time to kick some Roman booty. Get them out. Except, who didn't join them? The Jewish believers and the Gentiles who were grafted into this thing did not join. Why? Because Yeshua told them, when the armies of it, when you see armies gathered around Jerusalem, flee. Get out of there. Pray it doesn't happen on the Sabbath. Pray it doesn't happen in the winter. Get out. Don't fight. Get out. So the Christians, the early Jewish Christians, got out. These are in historical records. They went across the Jordan to a place called Pella, which now is in modern-day Jordan. They did not join the Zealots. The Zealots revolted. It was called the first great Jewish revolt against Rome. It didn't work out very well. Rome decimated Israel. Millions, literally millions of Jews perished. The temple was again, the second temple, the one that Yeshua prophesied was going to come down. He was right. It came down. Susie and I were there. We saw the remnants of it. And we prayed there. And it was a beautiful experience, especially watching Susie cry. 
That was the best part of it. Um, so now you see a rift between this Jewish sect that followed Yeshua and the rest who fought but didn't get help from the Christians. Now you start to see this one family, this one story, you start to see a divide. You start to see writings in Judaism cursing the Christians. Time continues to go on. Um, there was another Roman Empire, that, a Roman emperor that came in. He put together a tax on the Jews. You can look it up. It's history. It's called the Fiscus Judaicus. It was a tax only to the Jews. Historical fact. Fiscus Judaicus, a racist, racist tax. Not only were the Jews, did the Jews have to pay, but the Christians had to pay. Why? Because they were practicing Jews and Gentiles who still were considered practicing Judaism. Historical fact. A couple of years later, the Christians convinced Rome, no, 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 because it's all about the money. We don't want this tax. We don't practice Judaism with them. And Rome exempted them, the Christians, from paying the tax. Now we really see a split. And, even, and now you have, it's an amazing, for the first time, now you see not just one family with one story, with one linkage. Now all of a sudden you have two people groups Two belief systems. You have the Christians who believe in Yeshua the Messiah, but have cut themselves off from the Jewish root of their faith. You see within Christianity, you could see on the timeline of Christianity, when they decided Easter is no longer going to be linked with Passover. You see a time maybe 100 years after, only like 100 or 200 years after Yeshua's time, when... um, when um, they made it illegal to intermarry with Jews. So all of a sudden, this one story became two. And Judaism had its own story. They got out, they, they tried to get out, and they formulated uh, their own religion. They, they said, you know what? This isn't like Babylon, where we're all just in one place and we can hang out. Because after the s- destruction of Jerusalem, they went everywhere. They went south to Africa. They went east to the Middle East, to Iraq. They went north to Turkey. They went northwest into Europe. They just scattered everywhere in fulfillment, by the way, of Scripture because God said, if you don't obey my ways, I'm going to scatter you everywhere. And what we see is a fulfillment of Scripture that they went everywhere. It's interesting. There are two things that God promised in Scripture will go around the world. The Jews in exile and the gospel. I don't know what that means, but it's interesting. Two things that are promised in Scripture that will circulate around the entire world, the Jews in exile and the gospel. And now these two systems are operating completely independent of each other. Christianity has its own history. 
It's got, you know, the, the, the Nicene Creed and Constantine and the Byzantine em- Empire and him just, you know, figuring out what, what does this mean? What's our religion? Because he converted to Christianity and then he converted all of Rome to Christianity. And then they had their whole, their whole history with, I, I don't even know, I'm not an expert, but, uh, you know, the Reformation and all these things. And then the 18, I think it was the 1600s, the first Baptists, and then you get the first Methodists. And it's own history. But Judaism, the other arm here, has also its own history. They got together after the destruction of the temple, and they said, how are we going to make this thing work? How are we going to keep Judaism together when we're not together physically? So they, so they wrote down all their traditions, all their laws, all their customs. They codified the calendar. There were differences in how to keep the calendar. They, they, they standardized it. They standardized everything so the, so the people of Israel can, and the Jews can still practice Judaism. And they have their own history. They have rabbis and, and Rambam, the Maimonides and Rashi and all these amazing rabbis and the, the birth of the, the Hasidic and the Chabad and, and, the, and, and all these things. That, it's a totally separate line. You have the gospel going across the whole world, as Yeshua said it was, and you have Jews all over the world, and they have their own story. All of a sudden... He had these two lines. All of a sudden, a fulfillment of prophecy. About 2,000 years later, happens. And God is always fulfilling prophecy, but it's sort of at a micro level. Like he could prophesy in this congregation. He could get a prophecy in a family. It says the testimony of Yeshua is the spirit of prophecy. So prophecy exists within the church within the, the messianic community that believe in Yeshua, there's still prophecy. It's, it's operating. But all of a sudden, something happened. Israel becomes a nation in 1948. The largest fulfillment of Raw biblical prophecy in 2,000 years. And it didn't happen on the church arm. And the church, by the way, they have their own eschatological beliefs. Primarily the church believes we're going to spread the gospel around the world and Yeshua is going to come and he's going to take us all to heaven and everybody else goes to hell and that's the end of the story. And then you have the eschatological eschatological beliefs of the Judaism, which is we're in exile, but God's going to save us one day and bring us back to the land. And that feeling, because that lineage, remember, that lineage is still there. That physical lineage is still there. And that tie to Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple never, ever, ever, ever left Judaism. This is why at the end of every Passover state, we still go next year in Jerusalem, next year in Jerusalem. This is why even at a wedding, a joyous wedding, a glass is broken to commemorate. Even though this is an awesome event, we still weep because of the destruction of the temple. That destruction of the temple and the longing to go back to Israel and Jerusalem is within the heart of Judaism still because it's their physical story, not just the stories of the Bible. So all of a sudden, Israel becomes a nation again in 1948. And the church 
has to reconcile it. Because all of a sudden, Jews from around the world are coming back to Israel. This didn't happen before. There were always Jews in Israel for 2,000 years. There were always Jews. But it was conquered by by non-Jews constantly. First you had the Romans, then the Byzantines, then the Muslims, then the Christian Crusaders, then the Ottomans. And, you know, and then Britain owned it, you know, or or governed it. And it was it was never really self-governed by Jews. But now all of a sudden that Israel became a state in 1948. Jews are coming from everywhere, returning back to Israel. And that how does that reconcile with standard Christian eschatology? It has to be reconciled. And thank God it is, because if you look at end times prophecy, All throughout the Old Testament, it says, I'm going to bring you to all the nations. I'm going to scatter you because of your your lack of faith and because of your sin. You are going to be scattered, but I'm going to bring you back. That is all over the Old Testament. You don't have to look so far. It's in the Torah. It's in the prophets. It's in the Psalms. It's everywhere. But it was never a part of standard Christian end times theology of Yeshua coming back, taking us to heaven, and that's the end of the story. So now you have Jews all over the world after 1948 coming. It says that I'm going to take you from the north. They, the first, one of the first ones was coming from, from Russia. I'm going to take you from the south. We see a, an exodus from, from Africa, from Ethiopia. I'm going to take you from the west. You know where the greatest Aliyah is coming from now? France, because of anti-Semitism and, and, and the Muslim anti-Semitism and, and persecution and the, the signs that they're seeing, they're like, let's get out of here. So they're coming to Israel. So if we have scriptures all throughout the Old Testament about I'm going to scatter you to all the nations, but I'm going to gather you, I'm going to bring you back from the four corners of the earth, and we see that happening in our day. We, the Christianity, the church must reconcile. Was the establishment of Israel a political event or a prophetic event? And it has to be a prophetic event because we see it physically happening in our day. We are living in the times of prophecy being fulfilled. Big time. And this is big time prophecy. The church, you know, we prophesy to each other. We prophesy over our lives and things like that at that micro level, if I could say, you know, and and we're just trying to go about our day, you know, but God still, we can't just ignore the fact that there is a macro level. He is still going to return. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, what's, you know, what's re- it's interesting. All these scriptures, this is, I'm going to gather you. I'm going I'm to gather you from all the four corners of the world. I'm going to gather you from all the four winds. And now Yeshua is talking about, because the disciples said, what's going to happen at the end? And he talks about all these things. And he says that, and, and at the end, I'm going to gather the elect from all four corners. But that's normally viewed as like a rapture, like he's going to rapture us up. I got news for you. He's talking about the return of the people to Israel. That's the rapture. I'm sorry to kick over a holy cow. But if the, if the scriptures all say about the gathering, the gathering, the gathering from the north, south, east, west, and Yeshua says that I'm going to gather the elect from the north, south, east, west, from all four corners, 
It's the same thing. Sorry. So anyway, the chick is like, huh? That's when I got all the looks, the huhs. Okay, so there you have, right? So now you have this incredible fulfillment of prophecy happening on the Jewish arm. And the church has to reconcile that and thank God that they have. Because predominantly in the church is like, that's a move of God. This is fulfillment of prophecy. And if the establishment of Israel is a fulfillment of prophecy, Isaiah 66, can a nation be born in a day? You know, back when he wrote that, there ain't no United Nations that can make a vote and say, now it is. But here's Isaiah said, can a, can a, can a nation be born in a day? Can a land, you know, be born in a day? How, how does this happen? Can, can you, like, go into labor and give birth all, like, at the same day? And here it happens. And if this is a prophetic event, that means that these founding fathers in Israel— of Israel, Theodore Herzl, David Ben-Gurion, the ones that signed the declaration. These are like the Ezra's and Nehemiah's of our time. These are the ones that came back. These are the ones that have the vision. And it's so interesting that the first vision of having a a reestablishing of a Jewish homeland was in the late 1800s with Herzl. And he's like, you know, I don't even care where it is. Put us anywhere. Put us on Mars. Put us in South America. Put us in, in Africa. I really don't care. You know, this, this, this diaspora thing where we're spread, it, it never works out for us. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to integrate, but eventually they boot us out. So we don't care where it is. And then all of a sudden there was the Zionist movement, and they, they, they had this passion. We're, this is, hey, this is our land. We're going to go back. And it just so happened that around that time, anti-Semitism started to rise up in Europe. And we have the, the, the Holocaust right at the same time that, that Zionism is rising up. That is the kingdom of darkness trying to stop the prophetic move of God. That is exactly what it is. The Jews are coming back to fulfill prophecy. So the kingdom of gar- the darkness tries to exterminate every single Jew. That is spiritual battle. That is what's happening. So if you think it's just a political event that Israel was reestablished, well, tell that to the six million Jews. Tell that to the kingdom of darkness who thought they, it was real enough for, them to, for the kingdom of darkness to try to prevent that from happening. It says Jerusalem will be trampled down by Gentiles. Until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. I mean, we saw the trampling down of Gentiles through. There's a, there's a Hebrew word and he, uh, Hebrew word called tell. And there's, there are these things in Israel called tells. Okay? A tell is essentially like a, a, a civilization and then a civilization on top of it and a civilization on top of it. It's kind of like. You know, like, like, like Lou found a nice little hill. He's like, oh, man, this is nice. Like, there's some running water. It's a little high. I can see people coming. I'm going to establish my family here. Right? And then, like, Paul, later on, sees Lou on the hill and goes, hmm, that's a pretty nice hill. So Paul goes into war with Lou. Paul conquers Lou. And Paul builds his establishment on top of Lou's ruins. And now Kevin looks at Paul and says, hmm, 
that's a pretty nice place you got there. So Kevin goes to war with Paul, beats Paul, establishes his city on top of Paul's, which was on top of Lou's. That's called a tell. Okay? And Jerusalem was trampled down by nations. How do we know? Because now that, the, that, that, that it became a state, the archaeologists were able to go there, and they're able to dig and see all these different civilizations, civilization after civilization after civilization after civilization, right down the Second Temple period. We saw floor that Yeshua himself walked on. We walked on the same floor. Our tour guide said there is no doubt Yeshua walked on these steps because this, is, this was the way into the temple. No doubt. He said, these are the, these are, this wasn't even a believer telling us. He said, these are the gates that Yeshua absolutely went through. Even though it's closed up now, these gates are original Second Temple period. These are the ones that Yeshua went through, no doubt, when he was on the donkey. No doubt. And then you can keep digging and digging, and you see First Temple. You see things built by Solomon and Hezekiah. It's all there. Our Bible is real, folks. Our Bible is real. But Jerusalem was trampled down by Gentiles, by all the nations, until the time is fulfilled. In 1967, the Jews came back to Jerusalem. That is a fulfillment of that. Yeshua said that the the fig tree, first he cursed the fig tree and said, the fig tree is Israel, by the way, and he went to the fig tree and said, I curse you, you're never going to bear fruit again. But then when they asked him, what's going to happen at the end? What's the sign of your coming? They said, when you see the fig tree bear its leaves, you will know that the time is near. So look up because your redemption draws near. When you see these things happen, and then he said, this generation will not pass until all these things are fulfilled. What generation? It's the generation that saw the fig tree bloom. This generation will not pass until all things are fulfilled. We just saw Shimon Perez pass away. He was one of the original. He was the last founding father of that generation. He just passed away just before Rosh Hashanah. Yeshua said that generation will not pass until all things are fulfilled. Ladies and gentlemen, we are close We are close. We are close to the time that Yeshua is coming and he will set his feet on the Mount of Olives again, which was also fulfillment of prophecy because Zechariah, which was a second temple or after the first temple prophet, he saw the Mount of Olives and he said the Mount of Olives, he's going to set his foot there and the Mount of Olives is going to split. We saw the Mount of Olives. It's, It's the biggest graveyard I've ever seen in my life. It's 150,000 graves on the Mount of Olives. It's, It's unreal to see, including the grave of Absalom, King David's son. Our Bible is real, folks. And Yeshua was was raised to heaven from the Mount of Olives, and the angel said he's coming the exact same way. And that is completely consistent with the prophet Zechariah that said his feet will set on the Mount of Olives, and it will split. I tell you, when it splits and the resurrection happens, and that Mount of Olives with all those graves, it's going to be the best episode of Walking Dead ever. Yeah.
150,000, you know what I mean? And like maybe they're going to fight the enemies of Israel, you know? It's going to be, you know, then Yeshua is going to come and he's going to raise up all these warriors. Who knows how it's going to happen? The time is coming soon and God bless the church for saying, you know what? This is prophecy. We need to latch on to this because I got news for you. Yeshua, you know, the, the, the whole general theology of Yeshua coming back and everybody just going up, that's not really a second coming. That's kind of like a second appearance. He just kind of shows his face, everybody goes up, zip, and he's gone. That's not what's going to happen. Yeshua is coming back to establish his kingdom from Jerusalem and reign the whole world in peace. He is coming back. The, the whole goal of the Bible is not just to die and go to heaven. The, the goal of the Bible is to bring heaven to earth. That is the goal of the Bible. Heaven to earth. Even at the end of, 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 of the book of Revelation, where does New, New Jerusalem go? Down. Heaven comes to earth. May it be on earth as it is in heaven is the prayer of Yeshua. The goal of the scripture is for heaven to come down. If it was just to get out of here, he would save us and kill us. But the goal is to bring heaven down. That is the goal. And Yeshua is coming back soon. Very, very soon. I really believe that. And God bless the church for saying, okay, let's take a look again at our theology. Because we can't just ignore those prophecies. That's prophecy. When you see people, Jews, making Aliyah, that's prophecy being fulfilled. And I got to tell you this. About 10 years ago, Rabbi Peter had a vision of this. Because Rhode Island has been a safe place for Jews in this country. It was the first colony to allow freedom of religion. And the Jews were safe here, and it's one of the reasons we have the oldest synagogue in America in Newport, Toro Synagogue. It's still functioning as an Orthodox synagogue. And he had this vision, you know, if trouble ever comes to America, Rhode Island welcomed the Jews. Maybe Rhode Island will help them leave. So for seven weeks, this is going back almost 10 years now, for seven weeks we met on different, instead of meeting at a sanctuary, we met on the beach in Rhode Island. We started up north. We built a little altar of stones that we found. We prayed over it. Next week we went a little farther south and all the way down south to Westerly where I live, where we built an altar to sanctify the coastline. To say, Adonai, maybe the day is coming where the Jews are going to have to leave here and may it be safe passage. I tell you this, as the Jewish people are leaving everywhere and going to Israel, and it's an amazing thing to see. There's so many Jews that are Middle Eastern, um, uh, Jews from, from Africa, from Morocco, from Yemen, from Iraq, uh, from, from, from other Middle Eastern countries, and also from Europe, um, all, all, all coming to Israel. I'll tell you this, it's, it's hard to picture trouble like that, like Hitlerian type of trouble coming to America. It's hard to picture it, but I'll tell you this. If it happens, this congregation, God willing, is going to activate. 
And we are going to have a mission and a calling to funnel Jews out of Rhode Island to Israel. That is going to be a calling of this congregation. Should trouble come to the Jewish people? Because God is apparently using anti-Semitism to bring them back to Israel. He's fulfilling the prophecies by allowing trouble to come where they are. He says, okay, I'm out of here. I'm going to Israel. If that should happen in America, we as a congregation, God willing, will activate. You could be with us or not. But that's going to be a mandate of this congregation to, to help the Jewish people get out of here. And we're seeing, so now all of a sudden, for the first time in 2,000 years, remember the two arms? You got Jew Judaism with its own history and Christianity with its own history. And the history here is more is spiritual. It's not lineage, it's, it's, but it's spiritual. All of a sudden, they're coming together in Messianic Judaism. You being here are a fulfillment of prophecy. You being in this place is the first time in 2,000 years that Jew and Gentile are again together. Worshipping the Messiah of Israel. The first time in 2,000 years that the two are becoming one again. And God bless even the church that are staying in the church that are saying, you know what, we love Israel, we support Israel, because I'll tell you something. Messianic Judaism is not yet really the two becoming one. It's just a progress. It's progress towards it. Just like modern-day Israel is not the kingdom. It's a secular nation. A lot of it is, but it's, it's a lot religious also. I mean, Shabbat there is over the top. I mean, the place Jerusalem just shuts down. And except for at the Western Wall where all night they just party. It's craziness. It's awesome. It's amazing. But, you know, what we see is just like, but, but Israel is not yet the kingdom. It's, it's, it's on its way to being that. Okay, this was like a first step of it. And, and even Messianic Judaism, it's the first step in the two becoming one. The church saying, we love Israel, we love Israel, we love Israel, and, and we want to have Passover seders in our churches. First time in 2,000 years. The church has said the church rejected Passover. It was rejected. It's written down in, in, in Christian history. They rejected Passover. 2,000 years later, churches are calling Rabbi, can you lead a Passover Seder in our church? This is prophecy being fulfilled. Look up because your redemption draws near. Yeshua is coming back. When you see, when you see these things, don't fear. Do not fear. Do not fear who can just take your life. Do not fear the things that we see. These are meant to happen. Look up. Your redemption draws near. Yeshua, the Messiah, the head of the body, will come on a unified body. The two are becoming one again. Messianic Judaism is a fulfillment again of the two becoming one. You are a fulfillment of prophecy. Yeshua is coming back. He will set foot on the Mount of Olives. All these things, these macro-level prophecies will be fulfilled in Yeshua's name. In our day. Hallelujah. 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 There are some people that are going, I don't care about any of that. I'm just trying to make it to tomorrow. Baruch Hashem. You know what I've learned? 
You know what I've learned? Truth is like a tell. Remember the tell with layers and layers and layers and layers? That's what truth is. It's not a matter of, I got the truth. You know, if you have a truth and somebody else has the truth, it doesn't have to be contradictory. It's layers and layers and layers. This is what the Torah is meant to be. It's meant to be dug into. And the more you dig, the more you see truth. This is why you can say, okay, the Antichrist is going to sit on the temple like it says in, in Thessalonians, is the Antichrist is going to sit at the temple, and we see now the, 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 the mosque there on that exact temple mount, you know, you know pushing, pushing forward those prayers to try to drown out the Jewish prayers at a certain time. You, know, you can see that, and you can say, okay, that's where the Antichrist is going to be. And then you can say, no, 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 the Ant- I'm the temple. The Antichrist is what's in me that denies Yeshua in me. Which one is right? Yes. Because it's layers and layers and layers. We just need to dig. So we need to be respectful of other people. If they have a certain revelation and then somebody else has a revelation, it's, it's just layers of the same truth. It's Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Do you understand that? It's not linear. It's depth. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Yeshua. And that was my experience in Israel. <laughs> <laughs>